0: Listening to the Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast. All right, Stanley Cup's been awarded. Draft's coming up. After that, it's free agency. After that, we're going to go into a dark period. So this might be our last chance to get real fired up on an episode of the Bannerman. This is Carlo. How are you tonight, Vardy?
1: Hey, buddy. Doing well. Nice to be back. Congratulations on winning the Stanley Cup to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Very exciting for them. How how happy? They are good for that. Hey
0: man, the best team in the playoffs won.
1: They they did. You can hate were...
0: them if you want, but they basically steamrolled everyone. Edmonton is the only team that really gave him a challenge there. Um, even though Dallas, I think, took him to six. Is that right? I can't remember because I know it was three-nothing. Uh and then they won I think they won two. Maybe I'll they will take a look, sure. But in my opinion, Edmond's the Edmonton's the only team that even gave him any kind of scare. Mm-hmm. They handled Winnipeg, Edmonton and six, and then they had a 3-0 lead on Dallas, and then they steamrolled Florida, and here we are.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much of it was Florida not – Well, Florida was punching above their weight class all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Absolutely. And then I think they ran out of steam, and they – you know kachuk gets hurt and so what whatever little magic that he was bringing kind of dissipates by the fourth or fifth game of the series and then he was actually he wasn't playing was it 4-1 was that the final of the series i forget now okay so he didn't he he was basically limited in game four didn't play game five and you know they got absolutely blasted in game five it wasn't even i mean every vegas fan was drunk off their mind i think william carlson was already drinking from the end of the first period if i'm honest
0: don't blame him good feeling good feeling to know you have it in the bag going into the third period familiar feeling (laughs) actually yeah i think back to 2012 that's basically what that building was yeah like in the secondary mission everyone knew and the the beer lines were long. <laughs> Any <laughs> kind of alcohol line right. was, was long because everyone knew the party's on tonight. So Right. Right. Unlike 2014.
1: Yeah. Sweat that out to the last Sweat it out. jazz fingers minute.
0: Yeah. But we uh, digress.
1: Yes. How can I say something? And maybe and I I know I kind of started it off very low key there in terms of congratulating them, but I didn't find myself all that upset with them winning like i you know the the rivalry whatever notwithstanding, i just i wasn't that upset i don't know if that's because there's so many ex-kings guys on that team now that i was happy-ish for them i don't know if i just have come to grips with the idea that like they're just a really good team doesn't matter where they play they're a good team and good teams should should win the cup i don't like the idea of bad teams winning the cup um I don't know. I mean, am I am I wrong for not being that upset?
0: Well, no, because then I'd be wrong too. And yeah. I can't have that we can't on both this be show. Wrong. <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I think I'm past the point of like truly hating teams, except for Montreal maybe. Hmm. Like the true... I, Which totally a, makes sense. Totally. Yeah, of course, of course, now. very logical, by the way. I can break <laughs> that down for you guys if you want. On, a, on an episode in August, maybe when we have more time. Right. But in, in general... I don't really feel hatred for teams anymore and I'm not judging anyone who does because I was there. I used to hate the ducks and I used mm. to hate San Jose. And I think I've kind of switched to disliking players more mm. over the course of the last five years or so.
1: Cause that's really what makes you dislike a team, isn't it? Yes. It's like the player is an extension of the team and therefore I hate the team.
0: Right, right, right. So I, I guess my point is like, I can't hate the, I don't know, 2023 Ducks the way I hated the 2003 Ducks for example I'm not saying I hate either of those teams but it's completely different teams right all that the only thing that's the same is where they play and the franchise they play for so I guess my point is I can't I'm at a point in my life or age whatever where I just can't bring myself to look at a logo and hate it except maybe for Montreal
1: yeah although to be completely fair if you hate Pat Verbeek, is it fair for you Which to I hate have. the Ducks at that point? Well known, well documented. <laughs> I think, you know, that's, that's a, that's like a hereditary that's, thing, right? That's your generationally. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, you've inherited that. You can't avoid what's in your genes. But if you hate the general manager of a team, do you hate the team too, by that
0: regard? No, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't like the GM.
1: Yeah that's fair cuz i don't i don't hate dallas but i'm a well documented <laughs> peter DeBoer hater
0: yes you're see yeah. you're mature you're mature too i'm, I'm this is growth <laughs> this is growth uh, but then then there's the question of do i just hate pat verbeek the player mm. cuz he's not that guy anymore i don't think he's going to be spearing anyone anytime soon on the ice
1: i mean you don't know his first draft just coming up here as a gm you don't know how he's going to run things He's got the second overall pick. He's in prime spearing, you know, <laughs> position.
0: He's he's a stick length away from <laughs> your favorite prospect. That's your right. F- That's right. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, I'm not mad, man. I was, I was happy. Honestly, I was happy they beat Florida because I like better teams winning. Yes. And I know some people don't like that and some people don't like dynasties. And I like dynasties. I like when teams dominate for stretches of time because it means that much more when they lose or it means yeah. that much more when someone beats them.
1: But also just like what is the point of building a team if it's just for for one year? You know, like is that really all you have to look forward to as a fan is just like right now, we had our, our three year stretch there between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen and it was great. I mean, to go through all of this again now, ten years later and and we just Get one crack at the cup and then you're done. Like, come on, that doesn't feel right.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's that way. I think truly well built teams, at the very least, are going to have a chance to do it every season. Mm-hmm. I think if you win the cup, you're going to have a chance to do it at least three, four, five seasons. Mm-hmm. With the Kings, it was short, it was way too short to this day. I'm it boggles my mind how short it truly was because you look around, Tampa's like, how long, how many Eastern Conference finals did they go to in yeah. a decade? How many deep runs has Vegas had? Uh, so, how many deep runs will Colorado have, you know, right. once they're healthy? Pittsburgh went back to back, right? And they were in the playoffs how many years between those, between yeah. that 09 Cup? Right. But for the Kings, it just was like a quick rise and a quick fall, it seemed like. So, yeah. that part sucks
1: yeah, I think I think the worst part about that is that it's it's so it's so hard to, you know, find and develop that that homegrown talent that ends up being kind of a generational talent for your team, right? Like you look at it from the king's point of view. you basically, you think of like players that they drafted that ended up being like full blown long term representatives of the team. You've got, like, you've got Luke, right? Dave Taylor. Yeah, um, if you're going that long. that's what, But that's what I mean. Like, yeah. this, you got to think of it like, okay, what was the era that they represented, right? Like, so, you know, you hit on a Hall of Famer with Luke Robitaille. You, you wish you had more than one Stanley Cup final with a player like that, right? Like, that's that's what you're hoping, is that you, you get guys like that. So, from the King's point of view, you hit on a Hall of Famer to be with Kopitar, you got, you know, potential Hall of Famer and with Dowdy, I don't think Brown and Quick. Maybe I don't know. Well,
0: oh, I think I think Dowdy, Kopitar, and Quick. I think are Hall of Famers. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like you hit on two to three Hall of Fame guys that you bring in, you develop, and they become long term representatives of your team. Those should be the eras, right? Like that's 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 what you want. Like the Blackhawks had it with Taves and Kane pittsburgh with crosby malkin like if you have those kinds of talents and you're not in the running for two to three cups you don't know if you're ever going to have that kind of talent again like you don't know if you're going to have that type of like generational talent now i don't know if anyone on vegas is generational per se i think mark stone is a hell of a player eichel i think definitely has that level of talent and they've got a couple of guys that were probably underrated and are now showing that they're much better players than initially considered. But
0: None of I think them were that's were drafted. The point. None of them were drafted. That's what right. I mean.
1: But that's what I mean. It's yeah. like, it's tough for them because they're a newer team. But I mean, sure. from the Kings point of view, your whole goal is that we're going to develop a couple guys, two, three guys that are going to be foundational players for this team. And we're going to make multiple extended runs. That's what Tampa is doing with Kucherov, with Stomkos, with Hedman, Vasilevsky, like that is a core. You gotta, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I think that's that's kind of where I come from with that idea of like you mentioning that you like dynasties. That's what it means to have a dynasty. That's, you have to have a dynasty with those guys. Otherwise you're, in my opinion, I think you're still failing as a team if you make it to like a one cup run with that level of talent.
0: Yeah, but it, but it is harder to maintain dynasties with every sure. year with expansion, with parity, with everything. It just becomes more and more difficult to have extended sustained runs like that that being said vegas man i don't know they might be breaking the mold here because a lot of chatter coming out of their cup win of like is this now how teams are going to try to build is it Mm -hmm. more of a you know what an nba mentality of like it's not about the future try to win now if you if you feel you have pieces to win now you got to try to win now um which I'm not saying that hasn't been the NHL mentality, but there's a different type of like mercenary outside the organization talent um, compilation that Vegas has put together over basically since they've uh, existed. Obviously it starts with bringing everyone outside of an organization to, to build your expansion franchise, but I think they've taken it to another level of like really, selling off any kind of future assets that that might have been valuable to just compete as much as they can
1: i mean you say that you say that though but dude they have their first round pick this year next year and 2025 they gave away a lot they gave away a bunch of guys that they drafted and honestly of all the people they gave away i don't know alex took who wasn't even their draft pick they got him from minnesota Mm -hmm. i mean none of none of really he was a prospect right suzuki was I mean, have any of those guys really turned into what they have inevitably ended up picking up from the outside? I guess is my well,
0: point. Suzuki's a miss because I think it was for Patcherretti. I okay. think. I'm not. That I makes sense. I think that was a trade, so that's a that's not a good one, but again, doesn't matter. Yeah. You're holding the cup. Does it all, any of it matter at all? Right.
1: Right. You're holding the cup and most almost all of your team is coming back next year almost exactly the same except for maybe Barbashev. And you still have your first round pick this year, next year, and in 2025. The only pick that they're missing from the first two rounds over the next three drafts is their second round pick from this year. I mean, it's, that's saying something. Yeah, they gave up a bunch, but I think they're in a good spot right now to keep this going for, for a few years in a row now.
0: But But there is a lot of chatter of like maybe teams kind of start thinking that way a little bit more of just like really going all in on Windows if they feel like they have mm-hmm. something special built, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a good <laughs> transition Yeah. To, to a lot of trade rumors connected to your, our Los Angeles Kings. Some very strange, some very frustrating, <laughs> some mind-boggling, and one of them is all three, <laughs> which is,
1: <laughs>
0: which is the... The rumor that won't go away, and I think probably might not go away until draft day, uh, which is Pierre-Luc Dubois requesting a trade out of Winnipeg, second franchise he's requested a trade from. Um, he is an RFA. He does not have a contract next year. So any any deal for Dubois would be the NHL's version of a sign and trade, which is the organization he's going to be traded to, has negotiation – windows with him in order to extend and then you you do the trade so i have a lot to say on this maybe not maybe not a lot cuz it's i feel like it's a lot but it's probably going to be pretty pointed and mm-hmm. and compact overall m- my feeling is this on pierre luc dubois i'm going to start with the positives i think he's a good player he's big he's not afraid to go into dirty areas if you watch some of his highlights A lot of his goals are right in front of the net. He goes there all the time, specifically on the power play. He's not afraid uh, to go into areas where goal scorers go. He is physical, but not the type of physical where, you know, a Tom Wilson physical, which I guess we can talk about later too. A Tom Wilson physical is very visibly physical. I think Dubois is more of a absorbing contact Type of physical player. I don't think he dishes out too much. He's a he's a decent forechecker. He's a good player. He really is a good player. I n- no doubt about it. Good skill set. That being said, he is a on and off, hot and cold player. He competes when he feels like he he wants to compete or when it, things are going his way. He will compete for you, and that's great. Um, he doesn't kill penalties, and I bring that up because there's a lot of chatter about how Pierre Luc Dubois is in that two way center mold of Andre Kopitar that he could play all zones. This guy's averaged about five seconds PK time per season since he was a rookie. He has never had a higher faceoff percentage than 48. He's like a career 45, I think. And a player like that is commanding to rumor to be commanding eight to $9 million. It's very fair for someone to tell me right now that, Hey, Jack Eichel doesn't do those things. The difference is no one is telling me Jack Eichel's a two-way player and trying to sell me on the fact that Jack Eichel can supplant everything that Andrzej Kopitar is doing right now, which is a narrative I'm seeing right now a lot. Is like, hey, someone has to take over for Kopitar, and this is the guy. This is not the guy with respect. he He's a top-six center. I think there is – he's a second-line center. Let me put it that way. I think he's a locked second-line center, no doubt about it. The next question I have, because this player's name has come up, is Gabe Villardi's name has come up as the return. And my question is simply this how much better are the LA Kings next season if they trade Pierre Luc du- or if they trade G- Gabe Villardi for Pierre Luc Dubois? How much better are the Kings?
1: Are you asking me or is it are you throwing it out to whoever? Yeah. I
0: mean, I would like to know your answer. I know my answer. But that's my conundrum with this. If Velarde is in the deal, you're getting arguably a marginally better player who's a center. But if he's winning 45% of his face-offs and is not killing penalties, is he really (laughs) like a second line center?
1: Right. Uh, Not on this team. I would put it that way, right? Like, you have your two centers set Kopitar does not seem to be slowing down anytime soon. And I agree with you that for how this team is built and for the role that Kopitar has filled for this team for the last decade plus, <laughs> this is not the guy you bring in to potentially fill that role if you're planning on keeping this team rolling the way that it's it's been playing for the last 10, 15 years, which is all the indication that I get from... Blake and Robitaille and the powers that be. They like the way this team plays. They like having a center like Kopitar. There's a reason why they went out and they got a guy like Dano to compliment Kopitar, not to be his polar opposite, right? It was not that long ago that you and I were beating the drum of the Kings should get Jack Eichel. The Kings should make a move for Jack Eichel because we were seeing someone who could be the opposite of Kopitar, who could... You know, Kopi handles the defensive stuff. Eichel ends up being the more offensive center. All of a sudden, you've got this balance. But they decided they were going to go the Dano route. And it's worked out well. They've had two very successful seasons for this team. Kopitar, I anticipate, is going to resign and probably keep playing until his late 30s, quite frankly. Obviously, at some point, a drop-off will come. Whether... Quentin Byfield ends up developing to be that center at some point remains to be seen. Whether it's someone else remains to be seen. But I think at this point, at his age, for where Pierre Luc Dubois is, and was he 22, 23? He's 24. No? He's 24. He's a year
0: older than Villardi.
1: Okay, so you know where he is. You know what player he is. He's not all of a sudden going to jump into being a 54% off guy. You know killing penalties like that evolution is not going to happen in his game so if you go out and you bring this guy to this team first off where are you going to play him does that mean you knock dano down to to third line center after he's just had two of his most successful seasons in his career and shown and like lived up to everything that you brought him on to do to the point where you can't even you can't even bear to break up the second line because it's working so well so all of a sudden you're going to knock the whole thing down for Pierre-Luc Dubois? That's question number one in my mind. Number two, he's going to cost you a whole heck of a lot more than re-signing Velarde for what I feel is going to be very minimal improvement in terms of the overall impact of the game and point production. I think we only scratched the surface of what Gabe Velarde could possibly do last season. And I'm not there for the contract negotiations that are ongoing with him, whether it's a bridge deal or a long-term deal that they're working out, because Gabe Velarde obviously needs a contract as well. But Gabe Velarde over the next two to three seasons, I feel is going to be significantly better than Pierre-Luc Dubois. And we are already seeing signs of it. Not to mention the fact that you have been playing Gabe Velarde as a winger, and he's showing that he's capable of playing a two-way game for you and you have room potentially to accommodate a winger versus if you bring in PLD again you just i think you're just mucking up your lineup even further here then where are you playing byfield are you even bothering to play byfield are you full on converting him to a wing like it just i think it creates more questions than it than it gives you answers especially when you have young cost control talent available to you i don't understand why this is the guy That you would potentially trade it for. And again, this is all scuttlebutt. There's no confirmation that this is going out there. But, you know, where there's smoke and there's fire and there's, you know, potential interest have been noted in the past for this guy. I just, I don't understand it. I especially don't understand it when you start throwing names like Velardi in there, which again might just be nothing. And the Kings actually have zero plan to move Gabe for anything. But I would feel that way even if they were talking like, Artie Kalieev for him. I'll be honest with you. I just I don't see how him in his eight to nine million dollar salary helps this team right now. I just I truly don't.
0: I think if if it if it is a lower tier prospect, in this case it's Kalyev, who's not a lower tier lower tier prospect, but it's lower tier on the King's depth chart, unfortunately, whether that be because of opportunity or because of his path being blocked, whatever you want to call it. Fact of the matter is that he's just not getting the ice time he needs right now in LA mm-hmm. uh, to blossom into what we think he could be. So I, I, I understand that part of it and that, okay, you do a Cali of plus whatever Jersey, I don't, whatever. And futures um, for Dubois. Then you look at a top nine that looks very good on paper because you know the nose line is intact. Byfield's with Kopitar, and you put Dubois with fullardi So at that
1: point, you're committing to <clears throat> Fiala to Kevin By to to Quinton Byfield as
0: as your top line wing as your top I line so. winger, I, which I think he might start the season as anyway, Dubois or not. That right, that top nine sounds very enticing. Don't get me wrong; like that sounds like okay. That's a top nine that's really hard to play against, really hard to match up against. Big guys, dude. That first line is huge. And now that Vellardi Dubois combo is pretty big and hard you'd, to handle. You'd probably dude, have to move
1: one of Ayafala or Arvidsson. Okay, yeah. sorry. So
0: so the but the next layer is okay, now you're gonna have to move other guys out of your lineup. Maybe it's Arvidson. If it's Arvidson, then you need to rethink that second line. I'm sure follow would be just fine. Um, but there's a situation where both of those guys might have to go. Right. Depending on what else you want to do. You still have to sign a goalie, right? Do you want to shore up your bottom pairing? I don't know. So you're potentially talking about taking away two unsung hero type players, two players that do things that don't show up on score sheets very often, although in Marvison's case, much more often than I have followed. So the question is, do you want to essentially damage a 104-point team and then put someone else in there hoping that it all gels. Someone who has red flags, man. Let's be honest here. I don't care that he's asked for trades. It does not bother me. That's not one of the th- reasons why I'm against this potential deal. Um, I've, we're pro player. You don't like where you're playing, man. Do something about it instead of just pouting. In this case, this player's done both. He's pouted on the mm-hmm. ice. He's pouted off the ice. So it's it just... I just don't see him as the guy, given his skill set, given his lack of PK time, le- below or sub fifty face-off percentage to throw nine million dollars over eight years at him and say yeah. that hey when Kopitar goes, it's okay. We got this You're guy, the guy to be the number yeah. one center. Yeah. That's my that's my biggest issue with it. Um I'd prefer I don't know what I'd prefer. If someone gave me the choice, I'd prefer Tom Wilson, but that's not really great either, in my opinion. Right. That's another rumor that's been out there. It's not like I'm doing backflips, but at least you could I, you could sell me on this team is missing this element. Yes. And now this is a better team because you got this guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's, that's my hang-up as well. I look at that and I go, did I at any point feel like what this team was missing was a... Was another offensive weapon like a Pierre Luc Dubois, who I, I call a weapon, but like what what's his career high? Like 65 points in a season or something like that? It's not even
0: I, Yeah, I don't know I if he's at I can't 70. even
1: Yeah, I can't even honestly tell you. Like people are pointing out the thing and going, You brought up the example of saying, Well, Jack Eichel doesn't do those things. Like, yeah, but Jack Eichel put up eighty two points in one season. You know, he put up seventy eight in sixty-eight games. Like there that's a tier above in terms of talent and game breaking ability, like I, I don't, I've never once thought of Pierre Luc Dubois as a game breaking talent. You have a game breaking talent in a Kevin Fiala already on the team. Like build around him, bring up your young guys that you've spent this time drafting and now you're actually starting to see some fruits of your labor. Find a way to give Artie Cali of the ice time he needs to keep developing. You know, use what you have to make the team better. I don't think the Vegas mold of blow it up, trade away heart and soul guys needs to be applied to every single team unless I'm completely off and I'm missing some subtext here as to why you would want to break up this team. But I've gotten no indication of that from any of the press releases, the discussions or any any real information that the brass has given us. I feel like they're very happy with this team, and they want to make the tweaks to see it do better. I think that they fully believe that a, a healthy lineup against the Oilers in that first round would have been a completely different series. A of, of more, you know, well-performing goaltending tandem from the game one leads to a significantly different team, leads to a potential division-winning team you take the first 20 games of that season you swap out that you know the quick peterson pairing with copley and corpus potentially completely different year much better performance maybe you break 110 points maybe you win a division so why would you take that and make this kind of massive change for incremental improvement in my mind especially when you've spent so much time bringing in guys that are character guys, right? You went after the Arvidsons, you went after the Denoes, you went after these guys who hated to lose more than they love to win, that, you know, the old cheeky <laughs> miracle stuff. I just, I don't see PLD as a guy who fits into that mold. I really don't. So I'm hoping that this is all just smoke and mirrors, nothingness, and he can just go to Montreal at the draft, and we can all just stop talking about it.
0: Which is where he wants to go, by the way. Yeah, from everything like this, it seems like he wants to go to Montreal. He could be leveraging the Kings here a little bit through insiders or whatever. Not an uncommon thing, or not a crazy thing to think about. Um, but I I agree with you, man. And then there's the whole we just talked about, like homegrown talents, right? And I'm going to go back to let's I'll I'll talk about Byfield. Villardi and Clark like to me those guys cannot go anywhere yeah period because if you trade one of them or even worse two of them you have almost nothing to show for your rebuild even though everyone can argue and it would be valid to say that hey those picks led to these acquisitions Brock Faber and the first led to Fiala for example and you can go on and on and whatever Velarde led to Pierre-Luc Dubois in this hypothetical situation, you could tell me that, but the whole idea of the rebuild was to restock and have homegrown players actually come up with your team. And two of those guys have already overcome a lot of adversity, have showed you a lot of character. Byfield was sick. Byfield lost like 15 pounds. He had a lot. He broke his ankle last season. Like he had a lot of stuff that he, hurdles he had to jump, and he's finally finding his footing. Villardi with his back. Villardi, you know, taken 11th overall when he was a consensus top five pick. Another injury, and he just keeps coming back. So these guys are showing you character. They're showing you they've overcome these things. And to give up on them now would be very short sighted, in my opinion, especially for something that's not a complete and utter grand slam out of the park
1: homegrown talent being one thing the the one thing that the kings were able to have with that last cup go around was a goalie a homegrown goaltender and that's obviously an area that we're notoriously thin on at the moment still not really clear what the solution is to there i'm not even sure they've they've really come up with one but the other name that keeps coming up from winnipeg's standpoint is is hellebuck as an option now obviously an incredibly talented, good goaltender right in the prime of his career. And I just mentioned how much a better goaltending tandem could have changed the Kings' fortunes throughout the regular season. I don't know how much it would have changed during the playoffs, if I'm being honest, but certainly possible. I, I don't know how I feel about them making that kind of trade either. I really don't because, again, now you're talking about locking up 8, 9 million for an admittedly very, very good goaltender. But I just don't think you need to spend that much money on goaltending anymore. I really don't. Even if it is Connor Hellebuck.
0: And there's been a lot of like, hey, let's get both Pierre Lupin. Right, it's just and Hel- the whole
1: thing. Let's go wild.
0: At that point, you're gutting your entire team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're talking I, 17 or think million dollars a salary be, there.
0: Yeah. I shudder to think what would be left. Because I assure you, I follow Arvidsson, Velarde. All three of them are probably gone. Probably Jersey is going to have. You got to give Winnipeg something back. Yeah. You know something, youngish, for those guys. So they're going to want Velarde and Dersey. The other guys you're going to have to get rid of just to make the cap space work. Right. So again, you got to. I don't. I will not lament if the Kings trade Sean Dersey. I'm not going to sit around and cry. But why are they trading him? Is very important to me because. Yes. As much as we think he's expendable, we also understand the value that he brings. We understand the things that he can do. He can run a power play. He can run a PP1 in the NHL. 100%. I'm completely confident in that, that he could run a first power play in the NHL. Not for every team, but for an NHL team.
1: Yes. There were he times did it for the Kings season, two seasons ago when, right. when Dowdy was out.
0: And when Dowdy was in, he was doing a better job than Dowdy. Right On the uh, Q being a power play this season, in my opinion. I agree. So it's not like let's trade Sean Durzy for the sake of trading Sean Durzy here. It's got to make sense. And if you're going to bring in a goaltender for $9 million, like you said, that's, man, that's crazy talk. Yeah. What are we doing here? We talked about like, look, who's in net for the Stanley Cup champions. How many times did we say that? All the top goalies in the league were out in the first round.
1: Some didn't make the playoffs.
0: <laughs> Some didn't make the playoffs. You see, Soros had to watch. I just don't. I just don't think that's the right play for the Kings at all. And ditto for Soros. There is a lot of scuttle scuttlebutt as well. It's like, dude, he's a, he's. A, I think he has a better contract and all that, and you could probably make him fit. But again, what's it going to cost you to bring that guy in? It's going to be a lot, and then you have to have him on your cap for a long time. I think he's at five something.
1: Yeah, he's at five mil, um... which is.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you're paying for two Cal seasons. Peterson that for sure. two seasons. You were paying Cal that, right? Okay, so and you, it's two seasons, you it's not up, even long term. Okay, yeah,
1: he's and he's 28 years old. He's on five mil for two seasons. Um, and you're right. You were paying Cal Peterson that, and you gave up. What was it? Another first and a sec. I forget now. Like what the combination of picks in the end was that you gave up.
0: It was a second and Helga Grenz. Because okay. the first was originally from the correct Gav- went to Columbus in the Gavrikov. Uh-huh. Columbus, right, the
1: right, right, right. Okay, so you just gave up a guy you selected in the second round, plus the second round pick, plus Sean Walker to get plus rid you, of... Plus
0: 30% you're retaining on Correct,
1: Pujerov. correct. To get rid of the mistake you made in signing Cal Peterson to a large contract. And we're not saying that UC Soros is Cal Peterson. That's not an apples to apples comparison in any universe. But the point is that you gave up all those assets to get rid of one goaltender. You're gonna have to give up even more than that just to get this additional goaltender. And at that point you sunk God knows how many picks and prospects and money into solidifying your goaltending position when quite frankly, you might already have a decent option if you bring back Corpus solo And again, that, uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk that that's actually going to happen. We talked before about the Freddie Andersons of the world of being an option or whatever on the, on the free agent market as kind of plug situations until you figure out longer term what you're going to do with the goaltending. And I know that you and I have talked about picking goaltenders in the draft and developing, and obviously takes years and years and years to happen, but it seems like the Kings are averse to doing that, to taking a higher ranked goaltender, especially this year when they don't have a pick until 54, all the discussion from Mark Unetti has been on the multiple podcasts and interviews that he's given, I just don't get a very strong sense that that they're going to pick a goaltender at 54
0: not at all even though we we thought they would it just seems like maybe it's a square kind of thinking but it just seems like yeah like draft a goalie but you're right mark uh mark yannetti on all the king's men specifically i think really went into detail about why you don't draft goaltenders early in the second round (laughs) yeah early being first or second round and you just kind of to Unless to that goaltender is Jesper the apparently. Right, which apparently, then you you thing is put together something to move up very aggressively. But I think he even mentioned is that the other thing is thing that's what you got thing do. And they felt to yeah. do. that they felt thing as that the was thing sure you could find thing as you could find. Yeah. For an 18-year-old goaltender, which is an 18 year old is which wild sentence to is for wild sentence you say for <laughs> on. <anybody. laughs> like you know, <laughs> come on. I mean,
1: but think about it. Like, Going first overall, I I don't know if in our lifetime we'll ever see a goaltender go first overall again. It was you know the DiPietro, Math and and Luongo was fourth, wasn't he? Yeah, Luongo wasn't like first. No, 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 no. I can't imagine what goaltender anymore in this modern NHL era would go first overall.
0: I'm trying to think like when's the last time an impact goalie went so early? Like Price went. Price fifth? was fifth. So Price he's obviously they, they hit on that pretty well.
1: I mean, I think that would be it. The other I'm, first round picks that be I can something, th- but the other ones I can think of are like Devin Dubnik. Oh yeah, he went early. I would I would certainly not classify as impact. There's there was some discussion that Michael Harabal might go late first round this year because he's just a enormous man.
0: Yeah, he's so, probably going to be the first goalie off the board.
1: That seems to be the consensus, just because. He's six foot seven. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how much goaltending you need to do if you're six, six foot seven. Um but Jake that's, o-
0: Jake Ottinger was a first round pick.
1: There you go. Okay. Late. Um, oh, was he? Spencer was he? Knight. Yeah, he was late 26. Oh man, I forgot Spencer Knight. I'm sorry. Spencer Knight was like twelve but he's, or thirteen. But he's, is he yeah, a but he's hit? still no, he's not. He's going through his own personal struggles now. Like he was in the substance abuse program stuff. Right, like right. It the just Celesty. takes time. That's 19th. what it comes down to. I think it just takes time to develop these goaltenders. It takes three, four years. And I think as GMs, you're concerned that like, if I, if my first round picks don't show up and show up soon, then visually do I look like I'm doing a good job? Is my scouting department doing a good job? How can I convince these people to wait four or five years for this first round pick to be even just playing NHL games, right? Like if you have a a forward or a defenseman who doesn't play an NHL game in four to five years and they were a first round pick, that's a guaranteed bust. If you have a goaltender who doesn't play in four or five years, you're still trying to convince everyone it's all right, guys, he's coming. And so I think that's, that's kind of their logic is, especially if you don't have a first round pick like the Kings don't this year, you're picking towards... The middle to late half of the second round, you're trying to maybe shoot for the guy who fell out of the first round, and can end up being kind of a late gem that that blossoms for you more so than perhaps the goaltender who you're going to have to wait four or five years to to actually introduce into your you know
0: your pro team. Yeah, and I think when when the Kings go, I don't think they go to the podium in the second round, whatever, when they announce from their desk. Yeah. in the second round um if the best player available is a goaltender that'll probably spike the chances a little bit of the kings actually taking them cuz i think one thing yanetti stressed a lot in his little media round he did right was like we're never drafting for need again after yeah. Tom, after thomas they took thomas hickey fourth wasn't what?
1: tubert after hickey cuz i think Not- tubert was kind of a a need pick too that was the one that dean notoriously
0: Yes. Talked his scouts down or whatever told the yeah, They wanted
1: this. to take Terasenko. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, that was the that's Forbert. Forbert, I'm sorry. Forbert's I'm sorry. 2010. Is Hickey and Tubert the same? Was it? Oh man, that's I don't, a terrible No, I don't think so, no, I don't I don't think so.
1: Think so either. But yeah. Tubert was definitely a Dean Lombardi override situation.
0: Yeah, he definitely
1: he was 13th overall in 2008, and I think so Hickey Dowdy's was... Draft. So Dowdy's draft. Yeah.
0: Okay, Hickey was the year before then, 2007. Yeah. Man, that, and and the big thing with Tubert, of course, is that Eric Carlson went a few picks after, yeah. I believe. So yeah. So that's a... you swung for the fences there, Dino. Which <laughs> <laughs> nothing but dust came I mean, up you, on that one.
1: You could have had Zach Boychuk, everyone's Twitter follower. That's right. As your, as your next one.
0: <laughs> that's right.
1: Yeah. But anyway, but I think, yeah. think
0: Genetti has stressed like we're not we're done drafting for need and we're just going to take the best player available. So if the best player available in that spot is I don't know whatever Bjarnason or uh one of the other guys Augustine then mm-hmm. then maybe the chances of the Kings actually drafting a goalie increase. Because then you're if if they're the best player available and you don't take them, then you're going to the other polar opposite of your philosophy is like yeah, but, avoiding <laughs> certain things.
1: But honestly, like at that point at the 54th pick, is there even a very clear best player available? That's true.
0: Like, I mean, I've heard it after the friggin' 10th pick, there isn't a clear best player available right? because it's such a crapshoot draft. Right. just like, you know, every scout's going to see something different. So
1: yeah, fair point. And, and and I had looked at this before and it's like there's there's certain factors that are also I think going to start kind of weighing in um, not necessarily positional need but certainly if there's a left shot defenseman there, I would think that they would probably rank that higher than a goaltender in that same position. Um, you know Francisco Panelli's younger brother, Projects yep. out to be a mid to late second round pick. I can't imagine that that won't weigh into their. And he he's he like has typical Kings player characteristics written all over his scout scouting report. Like you know, heart and soul, energy, grinds. <laughs> I mean, just you know, right? Passion power has a has a Blake Lazotte poster on his wall. That kind of you know, like <laughs> so. He, he's I, I a forward. Probably, a I believe five. so. Yes. Yeah. Luca Pinelli. Good name. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's my son's name for anyone yes. wondering why we're giggling to yes. ourselves.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I think, I think little factors like that are, once you get up there and it's the 54th pick and you've been sitting there and you've been watching like every other team go up there. And by the way, them trading in back into the first round is almost impossible i mean that's that's such a what are you gonna have,
0: put together yeah that's...
1: something insane i don't even know what you would necessarily give up to do that but yeah he's he's five 961 pounds come on <laughs> he's just <laughs> it's perfect where is he ranked uh mid 50s honestly okay. yeah okay. like he's he's right there i've seen him kind of in that in that so look he's got uh, Bob McKenzie's got him at 81. Hockey News has him at 39. Daily phase-off at 61. Flow Hockey at 58. So This is a, it,
0: all the rankings, man. Everything's yeah, all over the place.
1: 54 right on the money by NHL Central Scouting for North American skaters. So yeah, would I be shocked if they go up there and they go, and Luca Pinelli's still on the board and they go, hey, we got his older brother. It would make entirely too much sense for them to, you know what I mean? So I can see things like that happening. Well, if he's, 50, there.
0: he's the fifty-fourth North American skater, then he's probably dropping to like the eighties.
1: Maybe, but like I said, on Hockey News and yeah, yeah, Flow, they've got him. They've got him ranked right there. So it's 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 all over the place, you know. Yeah. Anyway, my point is that every indication is that they're not going to take a goaltender. I think they're going to probably go with whatever gut feeling slash organizational need that's not goaltending combination kind of kicks into play around that time. Maybe there's a the guy who they have highly ranked who slips down 30 spots to them and they can't believe their luck and they take him. Um, that still doesn't eliminate the possibility of late round pick goaltenders. They're a big fan of taking that's third more, round yeah. pick. Yeah. <laughs> third round pick goaltending, that's the king's sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. This is what they do. <laughs> Uh I was yeah. I was
0: actually uh looking at goaltenders that the Kings have drafted mm-hmm. in their history, by the way.
1: Oh oh man, that's bleak.
0: It is it's gotta be one of the worst uh crop of goaltenders ever drafted by any franchise. <laughs> it's so dude, like who are the like these guys haven't even played. Uh... I mean, they drafted Billy Smith in 1970. Cool. Mm -hmm. Didn't Mm -hmm. play for them much. Mario Lassard. I guess that's okay. Um, After that, it is a goaltending graveyard. Rob Stauber. I'm just. I'm throwing out names that you know. Yeah. Forget Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Forget the David Gavardis and Paul Kenny and John Franzosa. Good (laughs) lord. Um,
1: (laughs) These are not real names.
0: Cristobal Ua.
1: Hey, he had a... He had, he had a, a
0: career, but not with the Kings. Correct. So, it's you're looking and it's literally like Jonathan Quick and a bunch of dudes. Yeah. They just haven't been able to have a like good goaltending hits in the draft, man. They just haven't.
1: Yeah. And I th- think that's part of why they don't, you know, they, they maybe are leaning too hard on their past. As a as an example of why not to do it again in the future, but I mean that's that's what they're going on. I think it's also a matter of you need one goaltender, but you need twenty-one of skaters. Course. Yeah, of course. And so they they just feel like they can they can find you know the guy that they need from somewhere. Which free they have, agent? To their they credit, have.
0: they have man.
1: Yeah. They have. Absolutely. At, they you have. You
0: look at their undrafted goaltending, un, or not just undrafted, but free agent or undrafted goaltend, goaltending signees, pretty good. Right. Pretty good all across the board. I mean, Peterson didn't work out. No, Jones. Jones, you would argue, worked out for the Kings and one or two seasons with the Sharks. He was an undrafted free agent.
1: Right. Right. I'm just, I don't know. I. I think it'll be fine. They'll find a way. Maybe Eric Portillo ends up being the dude. I don't know, um, but I would suspect that they will take a goaltender at some point in this draft. It just probably won't be until the third round or beyond.
0: That bodes well for you. We... <laughs> and you're a. All I'm saying is. Yura everyone...
1: <laughs> everyone or gets your everyone gets your Yuha hot cola jerseys ready now. Oh there
0: you go, Yuha, not Euro.
1: Because he's gonna get picked in the seventh round. Or maybe not even then. Maybe we'll just, they'll just free agent sign him. You know?
0: Yeah. You should be his stuff. agent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh if only. I wish I was so lucky. Uh anything else you want to talk about going into the draft?
0: I guess we could talk about this Tom Wilson thing for a second. I sure, touched on sure, it, but sure. like, like yeah, it's interesting. You know, I've long yearned for a player of his ilk on this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, to the point, isn't where I was the like, former
1: you know, object of your desire a free agent now?
0: Bertuzzi. Yes, he is, but he's going to want... He's yeah, he's a six million dollar player after what he did for Boston. Yeah, I think so. Maybe even more. Some team will pay him more. Mm -hmm. but even Bertuzzi is not like Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is a different singular entity. I really don't know if there's any other players in the NHL that you could make a comparison to when it comes to Tom Wilson.
1: At the moment, no early career Milan Lucic. Yes. Would be the closest thing I could think of.
0: Agreed. But like that combination of like visible physicality, like I said, like you, you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. It's like unleashing a pit bull onto the ice. Like you just, right. Everyone's going to be like, whose pit bull is that? And why is he on the ice? You know? That's,
1: there's your Jamie Foxx. Uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> is that your pit?
1: Is that your pit? <laughs> like,
0: you can't miss him. And everyone on the ice is going to be like, the pit bull's on the ice, guys. So yeah. uh, be aware.
1: That's right. Hide your chihuahuas.
0: <laughs> you know, Ryan Reeves, I guess, is a little bit like that. But he doesn't have nearly... Mm. The scoring touch that Tom Wilson has. You know, yeah. You could put Tom Wilson on the power play. Yeah. Ryan Reeves is drinking water when the power play is going on. So,
1: yeah. I mean, the Kachuk brothers certainly are physical in that way. Yes. Uh,
0: but, but they are Brady, I think more. Yes. Which is some might not agree, but I think Matthew's more of a like punch me, you punch me and go to the box kind of a mm-hmm. player. Yeah. Whereas Brady was like, I will punch you, hoping you'll punch me so we both go off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Brady Kachuk's a pretty...
1: But the point is these are are very rare unicorn players these days in the NHL. You know, these kind of guys that thrived in the 70s and the 80s. Now good luck finding them because the higher skilled guys have pretty much taken them out of a job. Well, it's also
0: because you need skill to play.
1: That's what I mean. In the 70s and
0: 80s, Dave Semenko... Right. Come on, man. Like Gretzky bounced 30 pucks off of him.
1: Right. But my point is that like it's it's rare the breed of player who can do all of those things and can keep up their skill and skating to keep yes, up with the other correct. more skilled guys.
0: Correct. correct. And I think it'll, I think over the next five to 10 years, you'll see more of these guys popping up a little bit. Cause it's, mm-hmm. they are so rare that GMs are going to, GMs and scouts are going to look for them a little bit more. Yeah. And if you know, someone's looking for something You're going to try to model your game a little differently and try to be that type of player. So I expect to see more down the line. But again, not a lot more. Maybe just a few more options. So anyway, my point. I could stomach a Tom Wilson trade. More than stomach, I'd probably welcome it a little bit. But again, not if it's going to... Dude, if it's Velarde, like, I'm saying no to almost anybody. Save for, like, maybe 10, 15 players in the league. (laughs) Which is a crazy thing to say. It just
1: bothers me, man, because the talent is there. He finally put it together and had a season that not just to the eye test, but like advanced statistics, simple statistics, everything is trending in the right direction for this guy to be your first truly breakout star player that you've drafted and developed. Basically, since that Kopitar-Doughty era, Unless I'm forgetting someone, but like f- Kempe. Okay, fine. Fair. Absolutely fair. But even Kempe took five years to be Adrian Kempe. It's you just don't give up, guys, like that. Every team is looking for that cost control young player, and now you finally have it and you're gonna give it up.
0: Yeah, for- it's it's wild. Shout out to Tyler Tafoli too. He might be in that in that conversation. Mm, that's bit. fair. All right. But your point stands in that. It's
1: for the Kings for
0: the Kings. Again, just a homegrown guy and the obstacles you want to talk about character. Like he's checking a lot of boxes right now. Yeah. He's only like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, scratching the surface of, I think what he can do, his defensive metrics are off the charts. You know, is he getting the toughest matchups? No, but I think he would welcome it. And I think he would thrive.
1: He's just a smart player, man. He's just such a—you can't teach that level of intelligence. He's
0: special. In, he's a special player, in my opinion. And I think I'd sooner trade Byfield than Velarde. And I don't want to trade either. But you know, gun yes. to my head, gun yes. to my head, I'd sooner trade Byfield. Yeah. Don't ask me about Clark though, because then I'll start crying, and you have to do the rest of the show. On your own. <laughs> those two men, to me, those two guys—and you know what Byfield to those three guys—just leave them alone. Just let them. Let them become what they're going to become. Right. I have full faith that at the end of the day, you're going to be happy. Well said. I understand Dowdy's you know, window, Kopitar is getting <laughs> older. Kopitar <laughs> is not going to, like I, I said this on Twitter, he's not going to ascend to the heavens with this contract. Right. Like, they're going to to resign him. Right. He's going to play close to 40, I think, 40 years old. Dowdy, I don't think, has any life outside of hockey. So, he's going to try to push it as long as he can.
1: Dowdy's going to show up to the rink after he's retired. Day one, you know how Dustin Brown was like, no, I'm just going to stay home, hang out with the kids. Drew Dowdy's going to be there in his warm-up gear. (laughs) What are we doing today? The following day, he's going to announce his retirement and he's going to show up the next day and start chirping people. yeah, Like, nothing happened.
0: I don't think you have to worry too much about, like, we have a year, you know, for Kopi. You know, just because his contracts up, like we no, I think he's gonna be productive into his later years. I think you're giving hopefully into his early 40s. That gives Byfield some time to become who he's gonna become. The magic number is 23 years old, mm-hmm. and that's not my magic number. I think that's an internal magic number. Mark Gennetti referenced it on uh, one of his podcasts that he was on. Jim Fox mentioned it, uh, referenced it in his postseason evaluation on all the Kings men. That number for Byfield, that 23 number seems to be like a consensus age for the Kings to be like, we're going to wait until this point and then really evaluate him. Dude, I think at 23, he's going to be a legitimate second line center in the NHL. I really do.
1: I mean, he turns 21 August 19th.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So two more full seasons, Um, mm -hmm. unless you want to count his 23 season, which is 23-year-old season, I mean, which I would, but whatever, if you want to split hairs with me, gives him two more seasons. Yeah.
1: Again, very, very, in terms of the calendar, right? Like if he was born a month later, he wouldn't have even been eligible, I think, for the draft that he went in. Like He was drafted a year before Brant Clark, but the age difference between them is is six months because Brant Clark's born in February and Byfield's born in in August. So you have to kind of take that into account and you have to take into account the idea that he hasn't... I think he's one game away from playing 100 career NHL games, if I'm correct, pretty close there. Scattered across two and a half seasons or something silly like that, like it just...
0: Injuries in between.
1: Give him, give him a full NHL season. Let's see what we got before we start talking about like, oh, he's he's clearly not going to be the heir apparent to Andre to Andre Kopitar. So you got to go out there and get PLD, which was a thought that was thrown out there many times. I mean, many that times
0: was... from Dennis Bernstein. <laughs> like people who regularly cover this team.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Rosen threw that out there. Was saying that, like, oh, if these discussions were even remotely true, then you have to wonder if the Kings brass feel like Quentin Byfield isn't going to be Andre Kopitar. It's like, really? Like,
0: this is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Spoilers, guys. Spoilers. (laughs) No one likely is going to be Andre Kopitar.
1: Yeah. I think that's your first mistake.
0: (laughs) He's a number one center now. Yeah. If Andre Kopitar hit free agency, someone would pay him $9 million. On a short-term deal.
1: Easily. Easily. We would be fortunate when he, when, not if, when he resigns with us, we would be fortunate if he does it for seven and a half million. (laughs) And he would be worth it. He would. Come on. If he signs a three-year, seven and a half million deal, I will be very happy with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And people are like, Kobe's going to sign... 3 million. It's like high hometown
1: discount. He's going to do 4 million for us cuz he's just a good guy. It's like, "No way, man." Or better yet when they don't even make that mention when they go let him go to free agency. No one's going to pay him more than 4 million. Like,
0: uh, come on. Like, that's come, come on, guys. On. you think the Winnipeg Jets wouldn't throw 9 million dollars at him if they when they do trade P.L.D. and all like if they feel like we're not going to blow this up and we're going to try to contend? Dude, are you kidding me? They throw so much money at him. And that's just one team, so many teams would gladly pony up for a guy who had arguably one of his top three seasons of his career last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In my dream world, he signs the Evgeny Malkin 6.1 by 3 contract. Maybe. I'd be, I'd be very happy with that. All right. I think it's about time.
0: It's mailbag time. So Tristan uh, in the OC gave us the first one. Um, One of his questions was yay or nay on PLD. I think we covered that. Um, So his other questions are, do you guys think the Kings are set up to be playoff contenders for the next decade? What do you think Kopi's next contract will look like?
1: All right. We took care of two thirds of those without even trying. Two
0: thirds. We're hoping it's, it's in the six, seven million range. Hoping. For, you know, under five years, somewhere there, three years. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think three is the right number. It gets them right to forty.
0: Do you think the Kings are set up to be a playoff to be playoff contenders for the next decade?
1: I'd say five years. I'd say they're set up for the next five years.
0: Now hold on, let me reread that. Playoff contenders. Okay, so not cup contender. I think my mind was going to cup contenders. A okay, bit there. okay. So so playoff threats. Um, I think they're very much in the window right now to be a threat in the postseason. I think they have to make some adjustments internally, I think strategy, whatnot, and I think they will. They got to shore up the PK, obviously, this season. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's no reason that until, at the very least, until the eventual Kopi drop-off happens, that they're not in the mix every season of, of uh, his productive years.
1: Yeah, I think a decade is is a long time, but five years, I feel like pretty comfortably saying that for the next five years, they should be making the playoffs.
0: Yeah, and the following five is dependent on, to me, three players, Byfield, Clark, and Velarde.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you manage to get a reasonable goaltender in there someplace who can play more than one season at a time for your team, that'll go a long way, I feel like.
0: Cool, man. We got right. another. <laughs> we got another eight or nine pack from my from our boy Richard Sarabia.
1: All right. Who should the Fire Kings away. play at the home opener? I vote the Oilers. How excited are you for Valardi Byfield and the rest exploding next season? Got the second half of that down.
0: Yeah. Very. Very. <laughs> I, I really think Byfield's going to have a good season.
1: Yeah, I think. I think.
0: I think a fifty-point season. 50, is not that's, a that was list. a number I had in my head. Yeah.
1: I need him to have a fifty. I need Velarde to have a sixty.
0: And I think both are very, very possible. And so, I want
1: Brent Clark to have a thirty. That's right. I'm putting I that like, out there. I like it. Um, home opener.
0: I, I, I don't care. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah. Like I don't. I guess Edmonton. Opener, I think Edmonton's a cool answer. I think that's yeah. fine. Uh, but I think Mayer said it's not going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Oilers or the Knights. Yeah. So probably Anaheim or San Jose, I guess. I don't know. That
1: seems fair. Colorado, whatever, something silly like that. Um, Since the last two Cup winners did not have elite goaltending, what do the Kings need to improve to win it all or go deep next season? Which player should the Kings draft coming up? Are you guys enjoying Diablo Four and Final Fantasy Sixteen? From the back, from the back end first. I haven't. uh, I have not invested quite yet in final fantasy 16 i've never really played diablo all that much um i got kids man they don't even let me play playstation 4 games much less playstation 5 games these days so one one you know i'm sure i'll find some time to sit down and play all this stuff i don't think you ever really played either of those games very much so
0: uh i played final fantasy 7 just like everyone else but yeah. but a little bit i didn't go crazy on it no i didn't play diablo i i my video game investment in of my life has been very heavy on sports games. yeah, very heavy. Um, yeah outside of that, I've as I mentioned, fallout the fallout series is near and dear to my heart so
1: yeah um, which players should the Kings draft? I think we roughly covered that one yeah. too. Now what do they need to improve to win it all or go deep next season?
0: EK is- <laughs> number one. Yeah. I think, like I said, internally, I think some things have to change in terms of the way the Kings play the game. I think the 1 3 1 has to be a not a default, but a situational choice. I think more pressure put on opposing teams, defensemen coming out of the zone is necessary. I think that's how Vegas beat Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I think that's how Vegas won the cup. Is there two in on the four check, one high supporting like that? It just works, man, because they come in waves. And I think the Kings have the personnel t- to play that style. I don't expect them to switch like that, but I think there has to be an adjustment for them to really give teams a lot of problems.
1: Yeah, I to, to follow that up and give a slightly different answer, I would say better bottom six play. It's all well and good if you have guys like Byfield and Villardi come forward. But if you're going to keep your bottom six guys as Kupari and Kaliev, which I don't agree with keeping Kaliev there, but I think you need to see some of those guys contribute, not just skate around, be interchangeable parts, like grab a hold of their spot in the lineup and become Blake Lazat, quite frankly, like a guy that's just, this is his spot. No one's going to take the spot from him. And um, I'd like to see a better bottom pairing. No offense to Alex Edler and them, but I think you just need a guy who's a, good, steady, stay-at-home guy who is not going to get gassed. I felt like there was a lot of times, especially against higher-octane offenses where Alex Hedler was getting was getting gassed out there, and I'd like to feel like there's a little more depth of that position. So I think depth play, if I had to give an answer. I think that needs to get better. The The top end of the lineup doesn't worry me. It's the bottom half.
0: And I think internal growth from sure from your key prospects is very important yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, and decent goaltending, yeah. Uh, and then after seeing the Golden Frauds win the cup, how upsetting is it that the Kings with better goaltending could have made it to the finals and won this year? That's that's a bit of a stretch, but I think they could have definitely had a much better season with better goaltending. Yeah. Um, and then, which trades do you anticipate the Kings making after signing Gavrikov? Honestly, none. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really feel the need for trade here. I mean, I guess if they're going to find a goaltender, they can do that on the free agent market. Or if some undervalued goaltender is not going to cost them an arm and a leg, like, you know, Vemelka being the name that's kind of come up over and over again, I would rather see that kind of trade rather than a a a Heliobuck trade if you're going to try to trade for goaltending, personally.
0: I think if there is a trade out there, I think it's something no one's thinking about. I think that's, if it's like a one-for-one upgrade, like, this is an example, but if it's like an Arvidsson for Tom Wilson to like kind of upgrade or just change the dynamic of a line or a position. I think that's probably it. And that's just an example. Like I said, I think if Blake makes a trade, it's something we're probably not thinking about. I think that's kind of been his, his style Um, regarding. Yeah. Agree with Vardy. I don't think better goaltending takes the Kings to the finals, uh, especially not in the playoffs. I think better positioning, better seating, maybe gets you a better opponent. In the first round, and maybe you win around, but that's yeah. that's where I'm at.
1: Okay, now now we can play the numbers game. Yeah, thank you guys. Thanks. Yeah, thank you yes. for those questions. Yes, 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 and keep thank them coming. I love those. I love them. Yeah, Even the we're video gonna keep game. doing it.
0: Yeah, we can keep doing it. Um, we can all, Richard. We always expect eight or nine from you. Now every yeah, episode, minimum,
1: so minimum. Bring it. <laughs> all right, man. This is going to be we, tough. We we may need an entire episode just for this.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I'm not going to know all of them, but I'm going to no, try my best. I'm, I'm going to shoot
1: for 50%. If you can name 50% of them, then I'll just I'll list off the next. How I'll many be,
0: are there? Like 24?
1: 28. Okay. Very popular uh,
0: number. Yeah. I'm going to do my best here.
1: All right. Do you want to go in any particular chronological order? Nope, I'm just going to fire them okay. off. All right. Go um, ahead. Matt Green. Correct.
0: Ryan Benning. Correct. Doug Smolick. Correct. Alex Edler. Correct. And I'm spent. Um, <laughs> Alex Jitnik.
1: Correct. There you go.
0: Um, Recent.
1: Yeah. The man who was supposed to be the a defensive prospect that was going to save us all. He was the guy. Look out for this guy. He's coming.
0: Is it Clay? No, it's
1: not mm, no, no, but you're in, yeah, I think you're in the right era. Ledoux. Uh,
0: Paul Ledoux. Yes. Yes. Not quite. No. no not quite the what? guy.
1: He's coming. He's coming though. Watch out now.
0: Well, he, right. I thought it was a consensus thing, but no, it was like one guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, carry on. All right. Give me years. Oh boy.
1: Um 2000.
0: Two thousand.
1: Yes. Just for one year.
0: Is it a Russian? Uh, no. Okay. Dude, this is gonna be way too hard.
1: <laughs> it's tough, man. The it's first, tough.
0: I, I feel like every number to like fifteen is gonna be like this.
1: Yeah, it's 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 dicey in this territory. Um. All right, here I'll I'll name off a couple random ones that don't. There are going to be, uh, Richard Pettyo and. 2006. Uh, Brian Muir in 2004. Sorry. I'll give it's you okay. 2000. It's uh, Francesca Caberle.
0: Hey, Stanley Cup champion. All right.
1: That's right. That's right. So you Carolina. got Zamolik, you got Jitnick. you got Brian Benning. Um,
0: Once again, my sweet spot. <laughs> you got it,
1: baby. You got it. Um, 89 was Jim. Is it Wymeer or Weimier? Yeah. I don't know. If you don't know, I certainly don't well, know. Well he pronounce.
0: he definitely wasn't in the playoffs in eighty nine, so I don't I Okay. I don't know. Uh
1: nineteen eighty eight, Ken Hammond. Okay. Uh and then from eighty-five to eighty-eight, uh Craig Redmond.
0: Honestly, you could say like
1: yeah, Ryan I know.
0: Timothy. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so so here's here's a crazy one. Okay, so eighty-four was Mike McEwen, and then in nineteen eighty-three Four different guys wore the number two apart, yes. apparently. I mean, I don't know if the jersey numbers were capped at like 30 or something. But... Man, okay, the number gonna... two got a, a lot of turns from 1968 to 1983 on the LA Kings
0: roster. So are kudos any of them, to you. Hold on. Are any of them names you recognize?
1: Uh, Maybe one.
0: Maybe one. <laughs> that doesn't sound convincing. No. That's... No. <laughs>
1: it's just it's like there's so sort of generic names some of these that i'm like oh yeah i've heard that name before but like i could have heard it anywhere <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah no sorry okay. no I think- no,
1: no no that's okay the longest tenured one uh was for roughly two years basically
0: longest i mean that stretch you mean correct oh uh. No yeah, one worked for more Sorry. than
1: two to three seasons. Okay, that's fine. Well, so we'll just go in backwards chronological order. So 84 was Mike McEwen. And then in 83, reportedly, Dean Turner, Howard Scruton, Bob Gladney, and Jim Brown all were the number two at some point. I, I, I don't know I, any I, of these guys. How is that even possible? How can you just have, do you just have a, you know how like when your beer league team has like one jersey? One jersey. The like No. Oh man. Clearly the sub jersey in 1980. The equipment was, manager just had a yeah. number 2 on
0: deck. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, right. It was up.
1: <laughs> Oh, we guy gets worn for a couple games. Um uh 1982 is Al Sims and also in 1982 Trevor Johansson. Uh 81 Rick Chartra.
0: Okay, at least Chartraw is a name I recognize.
1: Okay, there you go. All right, so here Only we go. because Here's-
0: he was he was in the miracle on Manchester. That's okay. the only reason.
1: There you go. Um, so, uh, seventy-eight to nineteen eighty. Why Randy, are we doing this? I'm um, just because history. <laughs>
0: okay, cool.
1: <laughs> Those who uh, who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. I don't know what we're learning here, but if we do learn something, we won't repeat it. Uh, Randy Mannery, from seventy-eight mm-hmm. to nineteen eighty. Uh, ab DeMarco, seventy six to nineteen seventy seven.
0: You say Ab? <laughs>
1: ab? I'm sure it's. I'm hoping it's short for Abraham. Um,
0: Wouldn't that be Abe? Nope. Okay, <laughs> <Maybe>. carry on. <laughs> Why do I bother? Maybe,
1: maybe the man had you know a phenomenal core, and they just called him Ab.
0: <laughs> Is the one Ab? <laughs> Keg DeMarco. <Keg-dor. laughs> All right, okay.
1: Uh, I don't want to wake my kids. I'm laughing too hard here. All right. Oh, man. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't can't even believe this is a real name. This is too phenomenal a name. Are you ready for this? No. 1976 Bart Crashley.
0: If that guy's not an enforcer, what are we even doing? Or some sort of a daredevil. Crashley, okay. (laughs)
1: Secret agent, daredevil, hockey player, man, Bart Crashley, Terry Harper, 73 to 75. That's that's the one. That's the one, yes. That's the one. Um, uh, Bob Wojtovich in 1972. It might be Wojtovich. I'm not sure. Forgive me. Uh, Bill Mickelson, 1972. Uh, Dale Hoganson, lots of sons here. 71 to 72. And finally... The other one that I think I've heard of, Bob Wall, sixty-eight to nineteen seventy. Yes. Okay. So so there's two that I thought, yeah. So Terry Harper
0: go. and Bob Wall are yeah. recognizable names. Okay.
1: There you go. That's all twenty eight players who have yeah. worn the number two so, so in the latter years LA I
0: got I got a few of Yes.
1: Yeah. I you were you were well over fifty percent from like nineteen ninety on, which is which is respectable, I would say. Cool. All right. Um Longest tenured, number two in King's history has to be Matt Green by far. Yeah. Two thousand nine to two thousand seventeen. Clearly, this is the Matt Green episode. <laughs> really. I can't think of. I, I mean, mean look, I remember,
0: love me some Alex Zitnick, but
1: you know, I'm. I, I didn't realize how partial I was to Bart Crashley.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's but fair. now
1: I I can't think of anyone else but Bart Crashley.
0: Yeah. No, Matt Green for sure. That trade, a, a wonderful trade. That at the time we were like, "What are you doing, bro? What are you <laughs> doing trading our our top offensive defenseman here?" But uh, Stoll and Green coming back—that was a hell of a trade. I want to see uh, first of many. I don't know if it was a first, but it was one of the first ones of a string of home runs by Dean Lombardi in terms of trades. Yeah, His first to... trade we know what it was. It was at the draft. He Correct. traded to Demi- meet Pavel Dimitra to Minnesota
1: for Patio. O
0: <laughs> for Patrick O'Sullivan and a first that was Trevor Lewis, I believe, or do we talk about that once and that wasn't the case? I don't know, uh, but
1: yeah, I'm not sure. But he made he made some swings early on the, Tim Gleason, Jack Johnson, obviously Great trade. Patrick O'Sullivan. I mean, he was. He was making some moves that made a lot of sense. But interestingly enough, like you mentioned, the one that ended up having probably the first trade that he made that he had a a significant lasting impact, uh, not in the sense of like, you know, trade begat Jack Johnson, then Jack Johnson begat Justin Williams, but like a direct, we made this trade and these guys actually continue to make an impact for the team, if you think about it, um, was Jared Stoll and Matt Green. I mean, that... That set the tone for the type of team and the type of players that he was looking to build with, and um, and Jared Stoll now very much still a part of the Kings organization. Matt Green still a part of the Kings organization. I think in a more peripheral aspect, but that's the one, man. That's the one.
0: What was that Williams trade? Because Johnson was Carter. I'm trying Johnson. to remember. Oh no, it was O'Sullivan for O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan for Sorry, in sorry, a three-way. That's right. That's right, right. So, that's right. That's right. That's right. So Dimitra to O'Sullivan. O'Sullivan eventually to Williams. Yes. Yes. Just a sorry. Great piece of business. Sorry, dingo. I had it
1: backwards. Jack Johnson came from yes. Carolina to the Kings. My bad. Yes.
0: Yes. It's 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 messy. It, yeah. Gleason and Belanger for Jack Johnson. I think that was that trade. That's yeah. a, God, man. This guy, <laughs> he was David Lombardi just. Devastated everyone with trades. That run he had from that first one all the way to the Carter trade, I think is just like one of the best trading runs I've seen of every GM.
1: I mean, it's it's really quite crazy for a league that loves to give second and third and fourth chances that, that Dean is still not in a high-profile position. I really it's don't gotta know. It's got to be his choice. It's got to be his choice. I keep coming back to that. It's either that or the bridges that he burned were so behind the scenes brutal that, I mean, look, man, if I have to sit here and, and hear conversations about Mike Babcock coming back and coaching Columbus and Joel Quinville still being considered to like come back you know, no less than two, three years after that whole Blackhawk scandal, I, I really need to hear how bad things could have been from Dean Lombardi's point of view That that he can't possibly be, you know, offered a GM position in this league
0: well it's weird because he, he's he been offered I mean he, he worked for the Flyers so it's not like he was blackballed from hockey or yeah, anything crazy exactly, like that so exactly that's why I feel like it's a choice I don't know
1: yeah alright man well, this was that, was fun. So by, that was 102 um, next time it will probably be uh, after the draft and after free agency at least the, the opening of free agency Um Again, I I don't think either of us anticipate much fireworks in either category. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think it's gonna be some subtle stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's if something happens, you'll have zero warning because that's how that's how Rob Blake operates. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone. Let's keep the Twitter interaction going. Uh, we'll keep the boys' posts going. That's, hey, the that's boys! The <laughs> Garo's got a... Man, he's got a file that'll take another... it will take another 500 episodes for him to get through all those boys' files that he's got. So, keep the love coming for those. Uh, please like, subscribe, find us anywhere. Find podcasts are curated. Uh, reviews, questions, all the interaction is well appreciated. We will be back in roughly two weeks or so. Go Kings, go!
0: You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.